Hello and good evening. Love Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You want again I'm locked up in memories They all Hello and good evening. Welcome to the NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now Blog Talk Radio Show. NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. I would uh, like to share a trigger warning that we may be discussing triggering content regarding child abuse and CSA. If you are triggered, please take care of yourself and seek help if needed. And my name is Victoria Kelly, and I'm your host for this evening, and my co-host is Amy Anna Soto. I would like to let you know that we have a single purpose here at NASCO, which is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, or CSA, presenting the facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in any issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. If you would like to be a part of this panel this evening or any evening that we're on, please call 646-595-2118, and my co-host or I will meet you on the back line and see if you'd like to ask a question or have anything to say. We'd love to have you join us and support our guests. And if um, you can access any of our past shows by going to www.naasca.org and searching for the scan number of the show you wish to access, or you can just pick any show and there's a whole bunch of wonderful information and speakers. Um, our show is a question and answer show tonight, and we have a topic um, and it's um, how survivors use their, uh, can use creativity for healing. And I have my um, guest or co-host here tonight, and um, both her and I are both artists and writers, and uh, we both um, experience or adult, both adult survivors of child abuse and members of NASCA. And uh, we wanted uh, um, to share some, uh, some poetry and some ideas about how we began um, with our healing journeys using creativity 
and uh, this is what our show is going to be on. So call in and join in the conversation and ask questions, um, bring your poetry, bring your ideas, and uh, let's have a wonderful show. I'm going to let you uh, talk with uh, Amy Anna right now. I'm going to pass the phone over to her because uh, she's right here with me, and we're both in lovely California. I'm from Minnesota, and I flew out here to meet her. And we've known each other almost four years through NASCA and have never met. So this is just a wonderful time for me. And uh, we have been out in the sights. So here's Amy Anna, and uh, she's going to share a little about herself and uh, how she got started with her healing journey. And poetry. Hello, my name is Victoria Nojitsi, Amy Anna. I started my healing journey... Um, probably about 2000, but it's a long story. It's a lifelong story of abuse. Uh-huh. You've been on the show before. And I have been on the show before a few times sharing my story. And really what got me into creativity and healing was keeping a log of events from my stalker that the police recommended that I do. And what happened was it Started, it turned into a daily diary is what it did. And from there, I started journaling. And from there, it led to poetry. And from there, it led to more artistic um, things like painting and drawing and even writing a couple of short stories. And I'm working on a memoir now. And also... Um, my soccer, um, just to give you a little history with me, I, um, I was abused since age three and just a lot of trauma since then. But, as, but what carried on into adulthood was when I was raped by that sexual predator when I was 14 and she ended up stalking me for about 20 years. And it was just um, a lot of fear and, and things. Um, anyway, I wrote some poetry and things that I thought was relevant for tonight. If anybody is on panel or would like to call in, the number is 646-595-2118, and um, we can get a little bit more to my story. I um, have a long healing journey. I started healing in about 2000, like I said, and it's just been... um, I had to break away from my mom, and she was really toxic and traumatic to my life. And once I cut off, I cut off contact to her for eight years. And in those eight years is when I did the majority of my healing was because she wasn't around to influence it. And I was able to focus on me finally and... I move forward and not be stuck in the past of the trauma and chaos that she creates. 
and um, I don't have a good relationship with my father. I've tried, and it just doesn't work. Um, But he's one of the abusers that, um, unlike many stories, um, came forward, admitted to, and apologized for what he'd done to me. But in the doing so, he left with, there's more, it's worse, and I can't tell you what it is. And that just got me on a mission to find out what is worse than what I've already been through. And knowing that he knows and won't tell me is really hard and mind-blowing. Um, another thing about me is um, all this came about, my dad's admission and apology came about, was because one Thanksgiving about seven years ago, my mom broke my silence to the family. And at the Thanksgiving dinner table, began to tell people that I was accusing them of raping me. And um, that brought up questions and things. And she brought up another couple of uses from other people that I did not remember and things. And... And so other family members, without none of this was said to me. I, I refused to go to the dinner because my mom was there. So this was behind my back. Other family members took it upon themselves to confront my father, my abuser, and talk to him about this. And by Christmas, he calls up, says, Merry Christmas. I heard you telling people I raped you. And I hung up the phone, and that was the last time I talked to him for about two years. And it's just, um, just really hard. Just really, um, I didn't know where the call came from. It was out of the blue. He was accusing me. Um, he was really mad. And things. Um, I don't know how many abusers confront their victims about their actions against them, but my story is far from, maybe, I don't know, I think it's not normal, but maybe it is. Um, We all feel like we're the only ones out there, but I'm sure there's more. Well, any abuse is not normal, if you want to use the word normal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We're sitting by each other, but uh, yes. well, we can we can have a conversation too about you know. And Victoria's right. Any abuse is not normal. It, there's nothing normal about it. it. Um, it's just really hard event that shouldn't have happened. And okay. <laughs> It's really hard events that shouldn't have happened. And, you know, whatever reaction I have doesn't mean that it's not normal. The whole situation wasn't normal. So, of course, the reaction and the the disorders I developed because of it are more coping mechanisms than an actual disorder. So 
Um, so just kind of wrecking havoc with my life now. Needed, and they still get they get in my way. Trust is a big issue. Um, being out, um, I diagnosed with anthropophobia, which is the fear of people, and I just don't like being around people. And it was hard to have a one-on-one conversation. I'd rather be a, a public speaker um, giving a speech because it's more of a presentation and there's not a back-and-forth conversation with one-on-one. It's not as intimate. But I'm overcoming that. I'm learning how to have new and better relationships, friendships, and it is really meaningful and deep. Like my friend Victoria, my best friend here, came all the way from Minnesota to California so we can see each other. And it's just one of the relationships that's blossoming and blooming. And I'll turn it over for her because I feel like I'm talking uh, too much. You're not talking too much. <laughs> we, got, we got an hour and a half. Well, we used up 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I started my healing journey kind of um, as a as a um, a fourth thing. You know, I, a lot of people say, "Well, I wish I was creative like you. I wish I could, you know, do artwork like you do or, or writing." Well, I started uh, my artwork in uh, locked up in a psych ward, and uh, they had some color crayons and they had some paper, and they said, "Just grab some crayons and just draw." Um, color, draw a picture, scribble, do whatever of how you feel. The first crayon I picked up was red. And I started scribbling with a red crayon on the paper. Scribble, 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 pick up a black crayon, scribble, 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 pick up a red crayon, scribble, 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 all pages of scribble, the red, black. Boy, did I feel good. I don't even know what that did, but it felt good. And uh, then my writing started even pretty unique, which was, I was just learning new words, like feelings, fear, anger, happiness, joy, and then I cross some of those words out, and then I'd write rage, (laughs) sadness, depression, and uh, um, just writing all over just a piece of paper with different colored pencils or crayons or markers or um, cutting things out of newspapers and making collages with different words um, that would pop out of magazines or newspapers or whatever and pictures that, you know, like a um, a really sad face or, or uh, um, somebody that looked like an abuser. I go on there and I put hate, anger, judgment, punishment, just all these words that kept flowing out of me, and, and that went on for a long time. I started it with a therapist. I developed multiple personality disorder, and uh, my therapist told me that um, it would be a good idea if I started a journal, and these different authors could write in this journal, which was only lovely. So they're all writing in this journal. There's all different handwriting, and there's all different ages that are writing. But the problem was is that they were reading each other's journals. Some of them weren't. Some could care less. And uh, we were, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> I have trouble breathing. We were um, trying to uh, 
oh, we've got some other people on the line. Great. Um, we got, um, let's see. All right. Melanie, are you here? Melanie? Yeah. Your mic's open. Yeah. Hi, how are you doing? Sorry, Great, I have how are you? Yeah. That's okay. I was just listening yeah. in. Oh, good. Good. We're just talking about uh, um, creativity um, on our healing journey. And I was just sharing a little bit about how I started um, in a psych ward with mine, <laughs> scribbling on paper <laughs> with red and black crayons. That was my first artwork. <laughs> yeah. and, and then I, I was talking about how I was just starting to learn feelings and stuff. I was just writing the words on the pages and, you know, like anger, rage, hate, sadness, depression. And then uh, started cutting out things out of newspapers and um, magazines and pictures and blowing them on a big piece of tag board and making collages. Try to express my feelings and express how I felt and express the memories. And I was just a bombardment of everything, you know. And and I couldn't even put a sentence together. When I got away from my biological father, I couldn't even put three words together. You know, I was shaking, I, you know. In sex business from embassy until I escaped when I was 21. And uh, so I got locked up in the psych ward. And it's the safest place I've ever felt my whole life, and I never wanted to leave. <laughs> they, had right. to, they had to kick me out of the door. Okay. I don't want to leave. I'm safe here. And all the abusers are outside, and I'm safe here. You guys are here protecting me. And no, 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 no. You're doing great now. <laughs> I feel like I was doing great. I used to call myself crazy all the time. And years, I called myself crazy. And finally, another survivor told me, you're not crazy. It was done you was crazy. You just reacted normally to all the crazy situations that you were put in. And that kind of blew my mind, you know, because that was like a whole different way to look at everything. And uh, I'm also in recovery in, uh, from alcohol and drugs. And, uh, you know, they say, you know, character defects is one of the words, the terms they use in the big book. Well, I go through. I went through my big book and crossed out everything that's a character defect, and I wrote in coping mechanism because <laughs> yeah. I did all those things to cope. And Amy Anna was talking about that earlier, as uh, we do these things to cope. You know, um, this is how this is how we survive. And people go, "I wish it's creative." Well, there's really a good book that Amy Anna and I both know about, and it's called um, "The Artist's Way," and she says. Everybody is creative. And the reason why we don't think we are is because we go to art school and we go to grammar classes and we go to this and we go to that and they'll tell us how we're supposed to draw, how we're supposed to paint, how we're supposed to write, how we're supposed to put punctuation and capitalization and use the correct noun, pronoun, verb, and adverb and make sure this and make sure that and this and that. And by the time we get done with all of that, rules and regulations, literally, we are stifled. You know, for me, it was just being, yeah. like, just being stifled as far as just, like, being an abusive family where people were tell, always telling me what to do. Always telling me, don't use the pink crayon on uh, on uh, um, grass, you know. You've you got to use a green crayon. You've got to color inside the lines. you got to this, you got to that, you know. Yeah. you got you to be um, a good girl. You can't be angry. Good girls will be angry. You can't tell the secrets. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And so with creativity for me, it was a way to be able to do, I want to do that. I'm going to color, so I'm going to buy a coloring book and color every single picture outside the line. <laughs> I'm going to spell every that. word wrong. 
And I'm write some words upside down and backwards. <laughs> I'm just going to use the wrong grammar. I'm going to just write like I'm four. I want the crayon. <laughs> Exclamation point yeah. underline nine times. You know, and and this is how we learn to express ourselves, you know. And as little children, most of us never got to express ourselves. Never got to have just, you know, be able to play, be able to enjoy life. And be ask questions, have adventures, have this, have that, you know. And so I always told everybody, I'm reparenting myself. And they saw a button around that said, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. <laughs> and I just love that. Um, but I always tell survivors, you are creative because just think of all the creative ways that you had to learn to just survive, to get to today. If you got to today, you have done a lot of creative things to get here. And in the artist way, it says that everybody is creative. And we Mm -hmm. we tell ourselves these negative things. We're not creative. We're not this. We're no good. We're, you know, can't do this. We can't do that. But, you know, like they say, if you say you can, you can. If you say you can't, you can't. So I think we need to start saying I can. And when uh, um, I started writing, and I started writing um, a lot. And I was writing all kinds of these just amazing pieces of writing, but I was scared because I'd read it back and I'd think, oh, my God, if anybody ever read this, they'd lock me up even longer than I'd been locked up. <laughs> and so I was hiding it all over my house, like in bills, in this, in that paper, in newspapers. And I was afraid to even throw it away because I was afraid to swing my fighting in the garbage. Mm. And, uh, yeah. And I was writing, you know, journals, and I had them tucked in all over places that I could, you know, stick it out, nobody would find them. And uh, mm-hmm. finally I had a um, personal caretaker that was coming over and helping me go through my paperwork, and he's like, why do you keep putting all those things over in that pile over there? And I said, oh, it's nothing. And he goes, oh, okay. And then finally one day we were doing it, I said, well, kind of some stuff I wrote. And he goes, can I read one of them? And I said, sure. And so I read one, and he goes, that is really good. And I said, it is? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. He said, by the way, I'm putting together journal buying for people with mental illness. And uh, I said, really? He said, yeah, would you like to help me out with it? I said, sure. So that was back when we had word processes. <laughs> and it's all we have dropping centers with people, people mental health issues. And when we were all the dropping centers, read some of our poetry and had people submit poems to us in writing and artwork. And uh, we got a grant through the Minneapolis Art Board, and we put together a journal bite for people with mental illness, and uh, um, we ended up selling them, and everybody got their, you know, pieces, but they mailed in uh, their writings to him, and uh, he edited them, and uh, sent them back and asked if that, you know, that was okay or whatever, how it was, and they'd write back, and, you know, this morning, we don't got no email, we don't have no computers. <laughs> we have a word process <laughs> typing stuff up. People can't type, you know. So I mean, like you know, very humble beginnings. <laughs> yeah. Amy. Oh, let me. That's Hi. right. You know, Amy Anna here. She's here with me. And uh, actually, I'm yeah. gonna turn it back over to her now because she's got some. Um, she's got um, poetry. She's gonna share some of her poetry. Um, this is on my. Is on my phone. Yeah, it's on your phone. Okay. So I'm going to put it back over to her because uh, we're trying to divide up the time here. 
Hi, Melanie. This is Indiana. Hi. 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 First of all, do you have any comments or questions before we go on? I was just going to say thank you to both of you for sharing so much of your story. I've already felt some of my own hurt uh, healing up just hearing other people uh, talk about their walk. That always does it for me. But while I was listening, I'm working on this art that I had done as a form of therapy, like this painting. I Like I'm putting together like a little portfolio. So I thought it was so cool that while I'm working on the art that I use to heal myself, you were talking about healing uh, through creative art, uh, you know, creative works. Could you share a little bit maybe with uh, what got you motivated to do that? Um, Would you mind? Yeah, no, I don't mind. It was um, an actual... Uh, training that I actually took originally, I guess, was on how to lead art therapy. Um, but of course, you know, you also, it also helps yourself as you're walking that out. Um, I, I'm not even really an artist, but I had come across this Dutch pour, which is sort of that messy sort of pouring art. And yeah, it's not, like, I'm you, like you were talking about with the crayons, there was something about going out, you know, going outside the lines and just g- doing something messy that I found really healing. So that that's how that started with me, and, and, and some of it has turned out to be really good. So I'm putting together a little bit of a portfolio. That's a little bit of background there for you. Awesome. That's so amazing. Yes, art therapy is wonderful. I'm in art therapy right now, and just having – there's so much in the art that comes out that shows what's in the subconscious and what is what needs to come out and be healed. It's just amazing. You can just scribble on a piece of paper and it turns into this whole deep meaningful um, this whole deep meaningful thing to you about your life. And it's like really all I did was like put some lines on a piece of paper and it's so revealing. Yeah, sometimes I'll even go back and forth to like some stuff that I scribbled or drew or cut out of, you know, the newspaper or whatever and um, things I've made or whatever. And I kind of go back and forth and I go, oh, that makes me think of something to write, you know, and I might even write just a few sentences, you know, just to kind of like describe what what I did with a drawing or what I did with a collage, you know. And then and then I'll see that writing and I go, oh, well, here's some things in this magazine that kind of relate to that, you know, and I'm off to another project. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I learned throughout therapy is there's a lot of, it's not so much the finished product, it's the process of doing it that you find all your epiphanies and all your, um, you know, it's, sometimes it just relaxes you and, helps you better than just words alone and therapy alone because I don't know in therapy I always felt like I was under the microscope and like every move every movement every words like analyzed and picked apart and it's just like no I'm too creative for that and so I got into art therapy with a trained art therapist trained in trauma art therapist and it's changed my life so much. Mm. That is so good. I love hearing that. I 
I also have found, um, just partnered with my faith, I have found God speaking to me a lot through the art too, which has sort of compounded the healing for me. It's been a double whammy. I'm like, wow, I'm hurting and I'm able to express and God is seeing me in the midst of it. It's been good. Yeah, that's really interesting because um, I heard somebody say that, you know, God has given us these gifts, you know, and if we don't use it, you know, we're really not using the gifts God gave us. And uh, that is one thing that, you know, God has given us this healing gift. And and are we going to use it or are we just going to kind of let it go to waste, you know? And uh, Amy and I I have talked many times about um, we've had our art displayed and stuff and some of our um, um, work that we've done that that has to do with abuse. And uh, we've talked Mm -hmm. about kind of the concept when people see our artwork, um, you know, they might not be able to express their own pain or their own story or their own abuse, but they can look at your artwork and, and relate to it. You know, they're like drawn to it. Mm. And, and they can just say, wow, that means so much to me. The first time that um, I had published um, three of my poems, one like in a, um, it was a journal um, for battered women and another one was for um, women using systems prostitution. And uh, mm. I had gotten a, um, gotten a, a lady that contacted me and wanted to know if I could read this poem at Take Back the Night. That, it, you know, um, those were bad women that didn't take back the night. And uh, so I said, sure, I'll come out and read it. And I went out there and there's all these people out there in the park. And I was telling me to stand up in front of all those people and read this, you know, and it wasn't even that long, but I was like scared to death. And they go, okay, go up there. They go, oh, yes, please go up there. It's so important that you read it. And, uh, Oh, you know, because I'll do things for other people. Okay, I'll go up there. Right <laughs> so I went up there, and, you know, they say, speak your vo- speak your words even if your voice shakes, right? My voice shook. Mm-hmm. I cried. I, you know, I couldn't barely stand up when I was reading it. And I was sure nobody heard me. Mm-hmm. I got off the stage, and I cannot tell you how many people right then and afterwards during the rest of the event came up to me and said, I cannot believe what you wrote. It was so powerful, and it meant so much to me because it related so much to my story. That was the first time I ever thought that anything that I did could make a difference, you know? And so I I went down to the river, Mississippi River in Minnesota, and I started writing my book, and I self-published a journal. Um, I self-published my book, and it was called Journey Within, The Survivor Story. And uh, I I, I went and photocopied it. I laminated the cover. I spiral-bound it by myself. And I sold 90 copies, and I gave 90 away. Now, by this time, email, and I had a bunch of people that just read it and handed it back to me, you know, because I didn't have enough copies around. <laughs> I guess I was, like, working out pennies. And, and you know, yeah. and then uh, anyway, then email came around, so I just started emailing it to people. And I guess it showed up on Facebook, and this lady contacts me and says, you know, I'd like to help you promote sell your book or whatever. And I go, well, that's not really, it's nothing. This is something I put together, you know, I just slapped it together or whatever. And uh, she says, well, I'd like to buy a copy. And I says, not for sale. I'll email it to you, <laughs> you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah. anyway, so he did. And she recontacted me and said that her and her colleague, they're both women's studies professors out of Oregon, um, would wow. like to write my book, my story told to them, and use my poetry. And then I said, it's in my artwork and my artwork. And so that's what they're doing right now. And they got an editor involved. And they already got, they had three publishers interested. They get narrowed down to a publisher. And wow. uh, right now they got me working on a blog 
um, they're like, well, we would like you to do a blog so that people will get to know you. And my first response was, I don't want nobody to know me. You know, and then I went, you know, he's publishing his book about being abused. You know, it's like this old, old thought. I want nobody yeah. to know me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, they, some of my artwork and stuff, they just want me to kind of describe what motivated me to make it, and this and that. And I'm like, okay, could you do the first one? So they wrote the first blog and everything, and now that's out there. And uh, um, now I came to California, and I've got some time. I'm just kind of relaxing. And uh, um, I had the two pr- page pictures printed out of the artwork, and uh, Indiana and I are going to kind of look at it. She's going to ask me questions about it, so I can try to get the other two pieces of the blog written. It's just, you know, everything's like a slow process. I mean, we just need to, um, you know, I never would have thought that this, nothing like this would ever come to nothing. When I was sitting down there writing that, you know, first poem or standing up there in front of all those people that I didn't really want to get to stand up in front of, you know. Um, but, yeah. but I, you know, I met Bill 15 years ago, and uh, I had never talked about my child abuse. I talked about being a battered woman, sexual assault survivor, but never about being a child abuse survivor because I didn't escape till I was 21, and I still blame myself. I had a psychiatrist who said, you know, um, you must have enjoyed it or you wouldn't stayed around so, mo- so long and you wouldn't have kept going back to him. So I had all that shame. And that shame lifted when I came on to NASCA and, started, and told my story for the first time. And when I started talking with Bill and being a part of this Black Talk radio show. Bill Murray is the founder of NASCA. And uh, he started NASCA about 15 years ago, about when I met him. <laughs> and uh, and he just he's got an amazing thing. And for people that don't know about the NASCA website, we have I don't know about 40 different things on the NASCA website that are resources. Um, you can go on there. You can look up your city and your state. You can find um, all kinds of programs in your area for adult survivors of child abuse. You can um, go on there, and there's um, just a multitude ton of information. And there's just, I mean, I I belonged to NASCAR for 15 years, and I still have not seen everything on it. There is so much information. Oh, we've got another, we've got another caller on hold here. Um, hello, Victoria. Hello, hello. And, uh, welcome to the Blog Talk Radio Show. Hi, Victoria. Oh, hi. How you doing? You want to introduce yourself? This is Philip. Hi, Philip. How you doing tonight? Better than it used to be. How are you? Oh, wonderful. I'm in California. You're in California? Yeah, from Minnesota. I live in Minnesota, and I came to California, and one of the NASA members, Amy Anna, is here with me. And uh, um, I finally got to meet her. We've all known each other almost um, four years from NASCA, and we never got to meet each other. <laughs> is that at the expo thing? No, no, it's not. It's just my vacation. <laughs> oh, okay. And she lives in California, so yeah. And we're talking right That's now good. about um, creativity um, and um, being a survivor of, um, of child abuse and how some of us have used creativity, um, art or writing, or um, there's just so many things that, that um, are ways of being creative. Do you um, do anything like that? 
Um, I do some tricks on my video game. Oh, neat. That's great. Is that helping? I do, like, a backflip and a wheelie and a whip on my dirt bike on the video game. Yeah, it helps me. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many creative ways, you know, that we can express ourselves. And uh, that's really important, especially as survivors. And we've got uh, Melanie on and Amy Anna's here. And uh, Hello, I think you're going to share Hello, some Annie. poetry. Okay. Gonna share some poetry? Yeah. And okay. Amy Anna's going to share some poetry that she wrote. So um, put people on mute so they can listen. Okay, mm-hmm. let's ask for any other comments. Oh, okay. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Hold on. We're going to ask for any other comments from you guys. Melanie, do you have any comments at this point? No, I'm good. Thank you. Melanie? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Before I read my poems, I just want to say I do the art course too, and they come out so nice. And um, my son is actually the one who got me back into art because um, growing up, he was interested in it, and I just provided him all the art supplies. And he just took off with it, and now he's a professional artist and an art teacher and just living out his dream and, and art. And he got me back into art when about 2013 um, with, um, when I got involved with another organization that was a hub for mental health. And <clears throat> it really um, got me kicked off into being a poet and well I was already a poet but it got me out to run a poetry group a writing group and a trauma art group a trauma support art group and it really it was like my springboard into these things and speaking out yes and I also published my poetry book it's little nothing big but um it was mainly just for family of my my um other ones. I've been featured in other books um, from the organization Heshio Moore that they have a poetry book out called um, is that just called it's called Heshio Moore the poetry book and if you go to heshiomoore.org they should have it on their website. And or you can find it on Amazon, and I have two poems in there. And we decided to focus on poetry tonight because it's a radio show, and it's a show of visual artwork on a radio show. So poetry, <laughs> we were going to try. <laughs> we were going to try. <laughs> just, just yeah, we're going to be d- deeply descriptive here. So. <clears throat> Um, I found poetry to be really, um, I don't know, my poetry at first was really raw, really emotionally raw, and just kind of said what it needed to say without any um, apologies about it. And it was pretty dark and pretty um, hard. And it was probably triggering to most people, but... It got better, and 
and things. And that's, it's still heavy, I think, but not as triggering. And it's not about so much bad topics. But, okay. So my first poem is called Hear Me. And... Stop after the first one to comment. Okay. So here we go. Um, This one's called Hear Me. Less valued than a penny at the bottom of a well. Love and trust turned to bitterness and anger. A beautiful life turned into a living hell. Cast in a world of consequences, thing I never wanted. Forgetting I own the key. Feeling such a deep wound as the protective layers unveil what they fought so hard to maintain. Secrets come to light. A million feelings crashing down, pools of tears, running to run away from myself, hoping for a better past while battling depression and fear, a game that can't be won. The struggle continues. Refusing to stay down, overcoming again and again, false realities shatter. Dark dependencies are forever broken. Finding the way out, being a light for others, saying the words, deeply moving stories of survival. Now empowered with strength and words, speaking my truth, you will hear me. One of my poems. And so I'd like to hear from you guys. If there's any comments, any questions on it, um, just would love to know what your your thoughts about it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love that you were able to find expression for yourself. It makes me feel like I might actually try my hand at poetry, actually. Yes, that's awesome. And, yeah, it, it just comes out raw emotion when you write. Well, for me, when I write, just it just, I don't know, there's just something that comes out. And it doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to follow any set thing. Just let, the, just let it flow. Um, you can always edit it, go back and edit it and stuff later. But I found out. If you write a paragraph, and then you go back and you change the sentence and that sentence, and you don't like that, and people are going to think this about that, and pretty soon it doesn't say anything about what you want it to say, and then it, then you get frustrated, and, oh, I'm not a writer. Oh, I'm not a poet. I can't do this. It's, um, but I think about it as, like, like writing and creativity, sometimes it's if you remember, like, making a – if you're familiar with, like, pottery and making a vase, even if you've just seen it in a movie or something, and you need a lot more clay than what the vase uses to be made or the pot, first you start out with this big lump of clay in the middle, and then you take some out and you take some out and you, you refine it and you refine it. Um, that's how writing is to me. You um, – you need a lot, you need a bulk of words first before you edit it and things. Um, there's kind of, 
like you write five pages and then you can it down to one page is kind of like one of the suggestions I had. Um, not that was given to me, I mean, and things. And that's just like in regular writing. Okay. Amazing. I love the freedom that you are speaking about where things don't have to rhyme, you know, take away that judgment, that perfection. Yes. There is no... Um, make it for your eyes only. That's how I started writing. It was for my eyes only. I even had a journal. It's for my eyes only, so keep out of it. That was the title. And mm. <laughs> and um, it was it was just for me until I got to a point where I can share it. And let's check in with Philip and see if he has a comment or anything to say or questions. Hi, Philip. Hello. Um, that was a nice poem. It gave me some light and some hope. Okay. Thank you. We'll check back in. I'm going to read one of my poems. Awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of freedom in writing if you allow yourself to just let it flow. And at first, my poems, they all rhyme because I love Dr. I love um, Cheryl Silverstein and all his poems rhyme. Mm-hmm. And stuff, and that's, you know, he's my favorite poet still, and things. So they did okay rhyming, but when you take out the rhyme, they could, they could become a lot more powerful and get the point across and and things without you trying to rhyme it. And I'll turn it no. over to Victoria. Okay, I have, I have two poems I want to read that kind of kind of uh, hand in hand here. And the first one is called Incest. I learned a word at my school today, incest. Did not know and tell them what it was called. Then I had a word, incest. The word could not stop what he was doing to me. He still continued to invade my body, my mind, my spirit, my soul. I heard the words, incest is best, as laughter followed the chant. I did not know or even realize until six more years that incest was a crime. Forgive and forget are the words I was told by those who claim to love me every time. Stuff it is no one ever really wants to hear. No one wants to believe that incest is real. The children are attacked daily in the safety of their own home. People really cared it would have stopped yesterday. I have been out of high school now for years. Some children somewhere are studying in a school. They're learning the definition of the word incest. They are not learning what to do if it happens to them a message for every child who still lives with abuse. We are looking for ways to save you. For every child who died from abuse, we are sorry we moved too slowly. What can you do? What part do you play? Can we really prevent child abuse? With so many children in silence, I see them grown up every day. So many of them are still trapped in their shame. I'm sorry to say for many, it's still not safe or okay to tell. I have been told, do not open Pandora's box. People will swarm to get help, but we do not have enough services in place to accommodate. When will you stop talking about them? My answer to them, when child abuse is no more. Now, before that, I read, this is the poem that I was asked to read at Take Back Tonight. Who is a prisoner? 
Do you know what it's like to feel protected only in the presence of closed shades and locked doors, even then, then at times feel unsafe? Daddy walks around going wherever he may please. I once was his prisoner, yet he still holds the keys. The law says he can't harm me. This time goes slowly by. Do, do they know the torture that's still present with every tear I cry? I can't tell them how much it hurts me to know they let him roam. Do they know I'm still imprisoned in a place I should call home? The law was made to protect me, yet it is so unfair. I wait and cry for justice as my abuser roams and breathes the air. Let me get back to that. Okay. Um, and I just want to say that um, when I started writing, I certainly was not going to write to have anybody else read it or hear it. And the most important thing is, you know, you need to write for yourself, not for an audience. Um, when you write for an audience, you're not writing for yourself. I've heard that said, and I only said it, but I'm repeating it, so it's mine. <laughs> and the same goes for any form of artwork. It's not going to be a Van Gogh your first try. It's not going to be Monet your first try. Yeah, it might it's never a, be. It might never be Monet. You know, it might never be those things. Because but it's, it's a you. process. And it's you. It's your process. It's how you feel about doing it. It's the process of healing as you move the paintbrush across the paper, as you talk the painting, watch the paint glide over the canvas. It's, um, yeah, it's not going to be like the great artist. And why should you want it to be? Because that was them. You Be original. Be you. And even if you take some inspiration from other artworks, Add your flavor to it. Another thing I want to say, too, is that I have a lot of friends that write, and they'll write poems, and they'll write stories, and they'll write about their life and stuff. And then after they're done writing, they'll do a ritual of burning it or crumpling it up and throwing it in the garbage or whatever whatever you feel. It's, this is for you. This is not – you never have to share it if you, if you want. But it's yours, and if you want to share it, you can as well. And that's the whole thing is that this – these are choices. You know, we, we grew up and didn't have choices. Today we have choices. And and if, you know, you aspire to maybe have your painting hanging on the wall someday, that'd be fantastic. But you know what? You are worth just as much as if you put that painting up on your refrigerator and you look at it every day and you go, look what I did. I am so proud of myself because yesterday I didn't have a painting up on my refrigerator that I made, you know. So let's give ourselves, you know, the gold stars that we all deserve. Melanie, you have any thing that you want to share? I wanted to thank you again. I just love the few things you said about the prison, you know, feeling like you're in a prison while your your abusers walking around free and, you know, you expressed some things that I felt. So I just really want to thank everybody for just speaking so openly about your walk. It's really been inspiring to me. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. This is what we do to um, show people that they're not alone on their walk, that other people have been through it too, that we are, that we, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that you do become stronger, that, that you can overcome it. And it does one day happen. One day it does become easier. And one day it doesn't hurt as bad. Um, it just, just it takes as long as it's going to take sometimes, and that's 
that's just how it is. It, it, time doesn't heal everything. I um, uh, I found out it's you got to work through it. You got to get through this and face it. Um, okay. Mm. And um, and things. It's just um, and like Victoria was saying, choices even. Selecting your colors is helping you make that decisions. That's why I love artwork and writing. You can write in colored pencil, you can write in pen, marker, and just choosing your colors, your paint brushes. All those are decisions, and we didn't have choice. And paper too. Um, we didn't have those. We didn't have those options of choices as children. A lot of us mm-hmm. didn't have those choices, and we couldn't make those choices. Um, I love going to the Dollar Tree and just like going, I'm buying myself a coloring book today because I want to color. I'm buying myself this this um, notepad. You know, I'm buying myself some crayons. If I go home and color with crayons, if I go home, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to buy these art supplies and go and see what I can make, you know, or pick up a newspaper or pick up an old magazine or go to the library and find a bunch of old magazines, bring them home, cut them up, you know, pay, you know, 75 cents for each one of them or something, and just cut them all up, you know. And it doesn't have to be, you know, and now you can go on that free cycle stuff and people are giving away magazines and people are giving away, you know, stuff that you can make. And it doesn't have to be like a painting or a drawing or it can be, you know, I just went out and got some um, some pieces of palm trees and I'm going to take them home and add beads to them and make some hanging things to hang off trees because, this is a unique craft I could do for Minnesota that they they haven't seen these. I don't know what is that bark up a uh, palm, palm tree, yes. you know. And and there's so <laughs> many crazy things that we can do. I mean, just go on Pinterest and pop in their nature craft. You go and pick things up in nature and make crafts, you know. And and be creative and just have fun with it, you know. Have fun. Yes, it's in the process and um, yeah, I was gonna say something, but I forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so I'll read my second poem, and this was when um, I made the decision to to tell my therapist about uh, how, not how, but finally explain to him when I was first in therapy that about the sexual assault when I was fourteen, and. This is called Time to Tell. Today is the day a secret about to be exposed. Push through the anxiety and thoughts of retreat. Just a few more moments, two more turns. Look at the people. They haven't a clue. The world will never be the same. One flight of stairs, one last lingering look at the sky, hoping it won't fall. Trembling hand opens the door, marked therapist. The moment has arrived, heart racing, near panic. I hear myself say, I was late. And that is my second poem. And I just, I um, try to capture feelings in my work. Try to capture the feelings of, like, going to therapy, knowing you're going to, Knowing the topic of the day and knowing that, 
oh, I'm, I'm going to reveal this truth today and how it feels. And maybe looking over at the car at the stoplight next to you and going, this guy has a clue about what's going on in my life, in the world around me. You know, it's um, like where the sky falls if I, if I tell, the whole world's going to change. It's not, it's not going to ever be the same once I speak this out loud. And I try to make the goal of, you know, somebody doesn't have their own words or haven't hasn't found their voice yet. Maybe they can look at my words, my artwork, and say, "This, this is how I feel." You know, this is this is what it looks like to me. This this is what she said is close to how I'm feeling. This is what I experienced, and. Oh, what I forgot to say was, um, in my healing, it was so nice to read books on about healing and about sexual assault, about child abuse, about incest, because even the memoirs and personal experiences, because it was somebody who went through it and was strong enough to write about it. I make a solid book about it and sell it, and people bought it. It just made it more, more like I wasn't so alone in the world. It's like, no, this person had experience similar to me, and they were able to share it to the world. So I'm not alone. And look at all these people. You know, if it's the number one bestseller, there's, you know, millions of people who bought this book, and maybe can relate the same way I am. And so I like that part of it, and that's why I I try to have my artwork and poetry do the same, but I've been doing it for years, almost over 20 years, and I'm at that point now. For somebody beginning, just write for you. You know, just do it for you and see what comes out. Um, it's okay to try if you hate it, rip it up, throw it away. Nobody says you have to keep what you do. <clears throat> I ripped up a lot of papers in my time. Just write it, nope, this doesn't work, no, this doesn't work. And and things, um, it's just really, it's enlightening to me. I had I was an art teacher for a little bit. I gave a little art class um, along with my son, and there was a woman in the art class. She could not hold, even hold the paint paintbrush. She was so intimidated by the canvas, by the paint, but yet she wanted to paint. And I told her, you know what, maybe holding the paintbrush isn't for you, but try it a different way. Maybe, like, you're doing the art part. I could try art coin, try watercolor, try, you know, it's just a different method of of art. It doesn't have to be a paintbrush. It doesn't have to be a watercolor. You know, try finger painting. Finger painting was fun for me. I have several paintings with, where I just took my finger in the paint and just finger painted because it was fun. And... And the next time I seen her, she had bins and bins of art parts, and she was selling them. And I was so proud. She gave me two of her art pieces, 
but she thanked me so much, and it was just, oh, it warmed my heart so much to see how she blossomed in artwork that, you know, just not having those rules in place that, oh, it has to be a pink flesh, it has to look, you know, a certain way, it has to be in the line. You know, and she was so intimidated to me and pick up the paintbrush. And then all of a sudden, she blossomed into this beautiful outdoor artist and things. So find your niche. Maybe poetry is not. Maybe short stories is what you want to do. There's all kinds of poetry. There's haiku, which is a Japanese-style poetry, and it's three lines. I'm not sure about, and it goes by syllables, and I'm not sure exactly what the count is. But it's really short, fast. There's um, spoken word poetry, but it's almost it's almost like a play. It gets really emotional, and you speak it really fast. Is it Japanese? Do you want to read that? Haiku is um, haiku here. Okay. Here's the definition. Okay, so here's the definition of a haiku. It's not a long poem, and it's a short, unrhymed poem that adheres to a specific three-line, 17-symbol format. The form originated in Japan, but today people across the globe read and write haiku in many different languages. Because the language unique in syllabic and grammatical structures, haiku have slightly different have slightly different formats from language to language. Um, I can't see them. Oh, one thing. Mm-hmm. Victoria's helping me share with the haiku. Okay, okay, I can read here. Here okay. we go. I'll say, it says, okay, a haiku is the type of Japanese poem that always uses the same number of symbols in a three-line format. Okay, the first line is five syllables, second line is seven syllables, and the third line is five syllables. Like other poems, haikus usually don't rhyme. So um, they've existed for hundreds of years. And then, um, so here's one example. An old silent pond, a frog jumps into the pond, splash, silence again. Um, and so haiku has evolved over the centuries. While traditional haiku adhered to a specific structure and contact requirements, um, more on that in the section below. So there's modern haiku, um, and then an old American uh, poet Alexis Rotella, it says, Just friends, he watches my God's dress blowing on the line. So it's just, it's to see how the poem still sounds, it feels like a haiku, despite not adhering to the traditional format. So anyway, the thing is, is that, you know, all poets do what their own thing was, and I really started learning to like poetry when I was in high school because we had a poet come in. And she was a published poet and everything and, and real professional and everything. And she came in and her poetry had the letter I on lowercase I. And I went, what is this? You know, and, and she was describing how it doesn't have to be, you know. And that was like my first excitement about writing. <laughs> and uh, um, Melanie, it's just you, me, and Amy, Anna. So you join in anytime you want to. Have, we're having a discussion now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So do you have any comments about her poem? Or I've got another one I want to read, too. Melanie? Yes. Can you hear us? Yep. Okay. Do you have any comments about my poem? I just, I'm loving everything. I'm just soaking it all in. I love how freely you're sharing, you know, what you're walking through and the freedom of writing and, you know, not having to worry about capitalizing things. And <laughs> Yeah, I'm really no. enjoying what you're sharing. Thank you. Yeah, this is, we have the support survivors and, and show them that they're not alone and that, especially in creativity, you can break the rules and there are no rules in creativity, really. That's what makes creativity so fun is uh, you're not in school anymore. You don't have to use, you don't have to use, you know, not everybody has to have brown, black, or red hair, you know, it's. You're not going to get graded. You're not going to get graded. You're, you know, nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to say, oh, look, she has green hair instead of blonde. You know, um, actually one of my art pieces, <clears throat> actually one of my art pieces um, <clears throat> actually did did have green hair. She um Somehow I wanted green hair on the girl that I was painting, and she had green hair. <laughs> Another painting, which was one of my dreams, which is a really good practice if you have any sleeping dreams, is to keep a journal of them, write them out, get practice writing them out. You don't have to keep the writing, but it does two things. It gets the dream out of your head, especially if it's a nightmare. You can rip it up. Nobody says you have to keep it. And it allows you to move on with your day because I was, I had debilitating nightmares. It was ruining my day. It was, I was in full symptom PTSD and it was against medical advice. So, and they didn't want me to re-traumatize myself. But for me, it was a good thing because I could type with my eyes closed even when I didn't want to see what I wrote. And you know, just get it out and put it away, rip it up, burn it, whatever you like to do with it. But find a way to get that out of your head so much. So I find those things kind of grow and become overwhelming over time. And, okay. And, um, yeah, so taking out... Um, so practicing just writing your dreams and then like sometimes an image will stick like, oh, that was so beautiful. Or, um, for me right now, what I'm going through is I've dreamed of repetitive places. So I'm drawing them out and talking to trusted people from my past. And I'm finding out that, oh, that's so-and-so's house. That, that's where we visited. That's, you know, that's something real dream that this actually happened you know and so having full PTSD symptoms a lot of my dreams are full-on flashbacks instead of dreams which is really hard for me to accept but that's where I'm at today and please call in if anybody else is listening 
call in. The call-in number is 646-595-2118. We'd love to hear from you. So, Victoria. Yeah. Um, I want to read another poem, and this one was kind of Civil Warrior Woman. And the reason why I wrote it is because um, I feel like a warrior woman. <laughs> Um, when I first escaped from my biological father, I wanted, to, I wanted to start talking about my abuse and being used in assisted to prostitution. And uh, my dad had taken pornography of me, and I was using prostitution as a teenager. And also, um, of course, um, I was talking about being a battered woman and survivor of domestic violence and all those types of things. And uh, I was, you know, recovering from alcoholism and drug addiction and talking about growing up in a dysfunctional drug-addicted, alcoholic family. No, I wasn't talking about my child abuse <laughs> at this time. But, um, so I changed my name so I could speak because my biologic father was still alive and he was in Minneapolis. So that's where I was speaking, around that area. So I went in a Christian name book and I picked out my name. Victoria means victorious. Ruth was my middle name, which I kept, which means spirit. And Kelly means warrior. So it means victorious spirit warrior. And that's the name I took to write under. And eventually I legally changed my name to Victoria Kelly. But um, I didn't feel like a victorious spirit warrior at that time, but I do now. (laughs) And that was back when I was 21 and I just turned 62. So 41 years ago, if I did the math right. So this this poem is called, and it's a little bit long, but everybody says I read it too fast. I'm inside to read it slow enough so people can hear it. It's called The Strength of a Warrior Woman. I gather hope from hearing the struggles of those who have walked similar paths, fragments of their stories paralleling mine. I grasp onto their words for the portion I savor as I saturate my mind and soul. I have been told that I am courageous, that I have survived against unbeatable odds. Yet when I find myself alone with my thoughts, my memories, survival is just not enough. My inner voice and my guide speaks to me. They whisper their truth and teach my mind and fill my heart. I am more comfortable being with myself. Then the peaceful moments come as if a breeze is passing through my being. My energy is tapped. Creativity explodes into the paper and the canvas. I never knew how to love myself, but my needs were not to be met. Given away, I always wondered what an awful baby I must have been. The voice from the mother of all ages insists that I have always been wanted and loved. The tears from days gone by swell up in my eyes and harden in my throat. Trapped inside are hopes I wonder if I shall ever see. When I am in need, the phone seems so far away, hanging cold and silent out of reach on the wall. I push myself off the chair, forcing movement, grasping onto hope and trust. I seek out numbers for people who have promised to be there for me even when I am down, sinking into my sea of depression. The phone's voice is a tone of emptiness and fear, tormenting my ears, soaking into my brain, yet I gain the courage to dial. Sparks fly through my senses, and a voice reawakens my belief that I need not struggle alone anymore. Flowing like music, you are accepting me just as I am, not trying to put band-aids on me, not trying to cover my pain, offering suggestions, not shutting me up. There are no cliches, no insistent demands. A listening concern, support a vocal tone, and helps me to believe that I deserve to live, to be happy, and that things will be okay. For you can hear my story and not try to make it go away, not tell me to forget, not silence my anger or tears, giving me permission to feel to the depths of my soul. 
Your acceptance helps me to believe that I have not gone crazy, that I can live with all my reality, accepting my past a moment at a time. As I am now just feeling again, your words are unlike those who judge and blame. You find our commonalities, showing me our struggles, holding many shared feelings. Your courage helps me to see the courage in myself. Your hope opens my eyes to the great opportunities of today. Living through and in the moment fills my heart with joy. Knowing I have survived another crisis, knowing the caring concern moves through the phone lines, filling my entire being. Help me to now take out my hidden writings which have remained in storage, the ones I've been afraid to let another person's eyes see, another one judge. Help me to transform them into rays of hope to others. I returning to my writing and drawing, hoping to each day somehow tap into the strength and compassion which I've been privileged to receive. I discover my truth and read words and ideas to share a bit of the gift which I have gained. I try to give freely of myself the joy which I have found. Oh, Mother of the Earth, remind me to visit nature. Stand sure-footed on your sacred soil. Remind me of my roots. Give me strength. Nourish me up through the ground. Enlighten me with the wisdom and lives of the warrior women who have come and gone before me. Remind me of your love that speaks through the voices within the souls of the ones you have sent to me. Those who give their gifts sharing their secrets hidden beneath layers of pain, opening up their wounds for a chance to help another, inviting the exchange of words with the souls together, transforming the beauty of the moment and the mem- into the memories of a life and the history of all times. And that's that one. That's one that's going to be in my book. You there, Melanie? Yeah, that is a, I love warrior, the warrior poem. <laughs> Yeah. You're very good at communicating. You communicate complicated feelings in a digestible way. Thank you. Thank you very much. And and that's the neat thing, because before, like, when I was saying, you know, when I first started writing, it was like, hate, anger, rage, sadness, fear, depression. (laughs) Yeah. Tiny little footsteps, quiet voices. You know, and I write little teeny words, and I write great big words, and I write dark words, and I write cursive, and I write upside down, and I write funny little languages. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I sit down and write something, and and I go, well, that was really dumb. Who cares? Turn the page. <laughs> Try yeah. to write something else, or. Like Amy Anna said, you know, you're out on a bus or whatever, and you think, I wonder what that person would think if I told them what I, you know, what I went through. And, oh, man, they would just, they would just say, why are you talking about that again? <laughs> you know, I go to an AA meeting, and I'm talking about, yeah, and I was a survivor of abuse. And, you know, and I don't go into a whole bunch of stuff. I might say I'm a survivor of incest and, you know, just kind of went, melded into my story. I got people come up to me after the meeting. When are you going to stop talking about that? And they said, well, I'll tell you when. Really? And they can't wait. They, like, lean in. <laughs> they can't wait to hear yeah. the date, I guess. <laughs> 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 mark it on the calendar. <laughs> and I go, as soon as I say I'm a survivor of abuse, and somebody doesn't come up to me, call me or come up to me right after a meeting, call me during the week, come up to me during the next meeting, come back three months later to a meeting and say, Victoria, I have never told another living my soul my whole entire life, but I feel safe telling you I'm a survivor of abuse. 
I'm a survivor of sexual abuse. I'm a survivor of racism. I'm a survivor of, 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 you know, and I've never told anybody. They're all women coming up to me. 16-year-old girls coming up to me. 21-year-old boys coming up to me. 40-year-old men coming up to me saying I've never told anybody. And seeing them four or five years later going, and I'm a survivor of abuse, (laughs) you know, in standing up at the top of the podium. (laughs) I did did an event out in uh, Texas, and I invited the Lions Club president. I was in the Lions Club out there. I invited him to come out. I did it at Lions Club Park, and it was a big for child abuse. And uh, I had all these people out there and everything, and, you know, I thought, well, you know, whatever. And so anyway, I had a speak out where people come up and, like, say they're a survivor of abuse. So he comes up to the microphone, and I thought he was going to say, oh, Victoria, what a wonderful event, and then just, like, walk away or something. He gets up there, and he says, no, he's this, like, big head honcho who's, like, involved in the international line club and everything. Gets up there and says, you know, I'm a survivor of child abuse, and I never told anybody and told some mm-hmm. of the stories. Another woman that was Ms. Texas I invited, um, Ms. Texas, um, uh, years ago out in, uh, and uh, had her come out because I thought it would be cool to have kids come out there. She came up when I had the open mic and said, I'm a survivor of child abuse, and I was adopted by a family, and I would have never had the opportunity that I have today if I hadn't been able to get help. And, I mean, these are the kind of things that are happening all the time in my life. And because I joined NASCA and was told it was okay to tell and was told I didn't have to have no shame about it. And this is why I do what I do today. This is why I do the Blogcock Radio Show. This is why I've done Zoom meetings. I've been putting on events since 1985 for domestic violence and child abuse. I have a grassroots organization called Oz. I help enhance the healing soul. Indiana has been helping me for the last three years put on events in October for Domestic Violence Awareness Month which focuses on children that grow up in domestic violence, that they are abuse victims as well. Regardless of anything else that happens to them, just witnessing domestic violence is child abuse. Um, mm-hmm. April is Child Abuse Awareness Month, Awareness and Prevention Month. We do an event in April, and we'll be doing one this coming April, and that's, we've been kind of doing a little bit of planning on that, and we'll be updating people in the future on that as well. Um, we're going to do one event um because it's awareness and prevention, the prevention part of it is going to be for, um, it's kind of going to be a, like a, a family fun day, but we're going to just have like um, the, the police department coming out, and we're going to have a fire department coming out, and we're going to have kids coming out and doing karate, and we're going to have uh, um, indigenous people come out and do drumming and uh, bell dancing, and we're going to have all kinds of things going on. We're going to have food, we're going to have prizes, we're going to have a bunch of fun, and we're going to have resource tables for the parents. We're going to have parenting 101. We're going to have um, just all kinds of stuff we're coming up with. You know, we're going to we're thinking about having a, like a um, um, children's doctor come out and you know like um, do like a little health checkup or something, and just just have it just you know real positive, and then have like the domestic violence shelter in the area, so that if there is some domestic violence going on, you know that there can be resources. There's a place called a crisis nursery, which I use when my kids are little, and call them up and say, I just can't handle my kids, and I'm afraid that I might do something, and can I bring them over there? And they'll say, how many kids you got? What are their ages? Yeah, we have room for two. Bring them over. And you bring them in, and they can bring them in as messy as they are, and diaper dirty, whatever, and bring them in, and 
they clean them up and they feed them and they love them and they care for them. And then in three days, you go back and pick them up and they're all happy and the place looks like a castle. And you go, you want to go to the castle? And they're like, yeah, let's go to the castle. And they dive in the car, you know. <laughs> okay. Buckle your seatbelts, we're going. <laughs> and you get a three-day break. And and there's just amazing results to try to combine all that we can and get them all to get tables. All the tables, we're not charging. Nobody to set up a table. Just come on in and, you know. And so, you know, this is the kind of things I love to do because um, I don't. I hate charging for anything. And I don't make any money off it, and I've always usually put money out of my pocket, even though I've been on disability and have struggled to make it myself, you know. Um, it's not about that. It's about, you know, the feeling I get when one person comes up to me and says, we, may, we have a clothesline project that's, that's survivors, and we're going to be at, uh, requesting uh, clothing and stuff to hang on this uh, clothesline project of survivors that write down how they felt when they were um, – abused or what they hope for the you know future for children and stuff and um we're having another event for adults and that's going to be like a um information um you know it's going to be um adults you know more adult orientated and then we're going to have a candlelight vigil at the end of that we've got this clothesline project that has all these clothing on it that that survivors have donated and we are putting that up at our event so we've got just a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of stuff coming up and uh, we just want to invite anybody who's interested to um, email me. And my email address is A3Hs, the letter S, number one, at Outlook.com. It's Apple with three horses. And uh, what would be for S? Uh-huh. Salad. <laughs> Apple, three horses <laughs> with salad. And, and it's number one at Outlook.com. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an easy way to put all this. <laughs> so it's actually A H H H S number one. Yeah, at Outlook.com. And uh, anybody can get a hold of me on Facebook. Um, you can go on um, uh, NASCA on Minnesota Ambassador uh, for NASCA. And uh, my phone number's on there, and people's phone numbers are on there that you can call. And anybody can call me. And we are not professionals. Um, we are there because we want to be there. And we want to help survivors. And this is this is what NASCA does. It's survivors helping survivors. And uh, we welcome everybody to come back. On a, uh, check our radio show. We're having a little bit of adjustments now with when we're having scheduling and stuff. And we're looking for some more hosts. And we're looking for some more people to help out. So anybody wants to get involved, you know, get a hold of me. And there's another woman named Kim. Again, and uh, we're going to keep announcing our information, and uh, we're just going to keep unraveling around and keep things going. And I know Melanie, we're going to get involved, and I'm real excited about that, and we're going to be talking about that in the near future as well. So I just want to thank Gosh. everybody for this wonderful show. And do you have any? We got a little bit of time left, and I want to let you um, any comments or anything you'd like to add. Melanie? Oh, sorry. I thought you're. No, you don't Mel- me, Melanie. Yeah, you, Melanie. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah I love. Fine. I just love that you're sharing. Um, you know, and being vulnerable, and 
I'm looking forward to maybe verbalizing more. I've written out things more in my story, I guess, than I've mm-hmm. than I have done verbally. So I am appreciating that you're plowing ahead and sharing some things because then that that'll help me and other people, you know, open up. Well, more. we would love to have you as a guest um, on our show on. Um, Certain, day, certain nights of the week, we um, are still adjusting our uh, schedule for the Black Tech Radio Show. Kind of sporadic now, but um, we'd love to have you as a guest to tell your story. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, specific shows that are survivor told stories. And uh, we guide you through it. It's, um, you know, it's, it's not real high pressure. We're real nice people. <laughs> you tell yeah, you want to tell. Yep, you tell what you want to tell. Somebody asks you a question, you want to answer. You say, I want to answer this. No no pressure. And uh, most yeah. people don't ask, you know, real, you know. Um, but, you know, we share your way on. We kind of break it into three parts, you know, which is like in the beginning of your life and in the middle of your life and your recovery and where you're at now, what your hopes and dreams, whatever, you know, whatever you want to share. And, um we just, you know, it's just real important that we keep sharing our stories and we keep connecting with each other. And uh, like I said, I like to, cut, you know, connect with commonalities rather than differences. And uh, that's really, mm. really important because I think that one thing that we all have in common is our feelings. You know, I can say the word fear and you could something will come to you, fear. You know, I say the word, I felt sadness and something coming to you, sadness, you know. And I'll tell people, you know, it doesn't necessarily, I might not remember your whole story, but I'll remember how I felt when you told your story. I mean, I remember, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, you know, a lot of details about things, but I'll remember how I felt when I was, you know, talking to you. And that's, mm-hmm. to me, the most important thing is connecting, like, I call it soul to soul. <laughs> and that's kind of what we're doing, kind of what we've done tonight. Love so. it. Yeah, so I really appreciate that you were on tonight, and it was sure nice getting to know you. And here's Adriana. You too. Yes. Well, hi. Thank you for being on. This is just amazing that I, I happened to be on the show when you, when you called in, and the yeah. topic tonight just resonated with you. I'm not always on this show. I've been a guest a couple of times, but um, – Victoria always kind of looped me into these things. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we're together tonight um, visiting each other, and it's just been wonderful. Um, would you like to say any comments or anything more on air? I know we can talk. Um, do you have my information? We can talk after the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Okay. And just because we share a lot, we've been doing this for years. And if you do come aboard, you're not expected to share thing that you don't want to or as much or as little as you want to share. That's all up to you. Mm-hmm. And if and you I don't just, fill the whole hour and a half, um, we usually take breaks, you know, like um, 20 minutes in and stuff and see if anybody has comments and a lot of times something you share might spark something somebody else's experience and they'll share something that they may have for life that they were an abuse survivor either, you know. So it it's just kind of that back yeah. and forth type of a thing, you know. Yeah, so the focus isn't always on you mm-hmm. all, the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. 
And if you ever want to call me, Melanie, just uh, look my number up there on NASCA or ask him. You can always call me. We'll okay. chat more. Thank you. Okay, thank well, you, thank ladies. you, everybody, for um, listening. And, again, we have all the frozen uh, archives. And uh, we hope to uh, hear from you all again. And uh, God bless you. And God bless all the children of the world. And uh, everybody stay safe. Good night. Night.